Good morning, EPC Church family. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful Sunday morning. We're so excited to get into our service this morning. A few things to note, however, you can follow us on either one of our three Facebook pages, either for EPC, for our general ministry updates, for our youth ministry, you can follow EPC Student Ministry, and for our kids ministry, you can follow EPC Children's Ministry. But we also have a brand new Instagram page for our church at EPC Oakville. You can go follow us there. Also, if you have any prayer requests, please send them to us so that we can add them to our weekly prayer list. Thank you all so much for joining this Sunday service. I hope you have an excellent day. A couple of weeks ago, we got word that one of our missionaries, Janet Steve, had contracted COVID-19 and was suffering greatly with pneumonia, and we were praying fervently for her. In the next few moments, you'll hear in her own words how she's doing and just her thanking us for our prayers for her. To my dear friends and family back home, thank you so much for praying for me. I heard how you were praying so much and I was so touched by that. Thank you. I don't know what else to say, but thank you. Today we were at the doctor and I had two tests done for COVID and I'm COVID free, praise God. I know it's because of your prayers. And also I had a second CAT scan done on my lungs and there was almost totally no pneumonia left before it was 80% uh, filled with uh, pneumonia. And I'm so grateful. I know it's because you were praying for me. And I, I just thank you with all my heart. I love you and thank God for you. It's great to hear stories like Janet's. I just want to encourage you now as Tyler leads us in worship this morning. If you would just focus in right where you are and allow God's presence to minister to you and the Holy Spirit just to reveal him afresh to you this morning. Good morning, Evangel. Let's worship together. So letting go of every single dream. When you don't move the mountain 
book of Luke chapter 5 verse 27 to 32. After this, Jesus went out 
and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet with Jesus at his house. A large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Hello, everyone. Last week, we launched a new summer preaching series, which we've entitled Uncomfortable. And we are considering scriptures where Jesus made those around him feel uncomfortable by the things that he did and the things that he said. We observe as we read the Gospels that Jesus made religious people feel uncomfortable and marginalized people feel safe. I suggested that sometimes the church does the very opposite. We make religious people feel safe and marginalized people feel uncomfortable. The main focus of this series is this. If we, the followers of Jesus, are going to continue his work of making marginalized people feel safe, we must begin with a fresh exposure to the uncomfortable teachings of Jesus. Now today we're going to continue our series by considering an encounter that Jesus had with some Pharisees and teachers of the law in the house of Levi, the tax collector, and we find this story in Luke chapter 5. I graduated from high school 36 years ago. It seems like a lifetime ago. There are some things I no longer remember about high school. I would suggest that there's probably some things that my brain has conveniently blocked out about high school, and I'm grateful for that. But there are some things that I remember vividly. I can picture in my mind the table that I ate lunch at for the four years of high school and the friends that filled that table every single day. During four years of high school, none of us ever considered sitting at a different table with a different group of people. Why would we? This was our table, and these were our friends. To sit somewhere else with other people would have been just, well, weird. And it could possibly lead to maybe even getting roughed up. In high school, where you ate lunch and who you ate lunch with was an important decision that carried significant implications. Now in our scripture today, according to the religious leaders, Jesus was sitting at the wrong table with the wrong people. The first thing I want us to consider this morning is invitations. Jesus is back ministering in Capernaum, and Capernaum is a part of the kingdom of Herod Antipas, who is ruling in this area on behalf of Rome. 
Tax booths were located along the main roads to collect taxes on the goods being transported through Herod's territory. Herod hired tax collectors to literally collect the taxes on his behalf. Tax collectors were despised by most of the locals for two reasons. Number one, they were employees of a foreign oppressive power that was viewed as the enemy. And secondly, they were known to add to the tax levels in order to earn more money for themselves so that they could pocket it. For the Pharisees and religious leaders, tax collectors were considered outcasts, unclean, by virtue of their association and identification with foreigners. Jesus was walking along the road and came upon one of these tax collection booths. A tax collector named Levi was sitting inside the booth. Jesus walked up to him and had a two-word conversation that was more of an invitation, even maybe a command. Follow me. Follow me. Now, what we don't know is how well Levi knew Jesus prior to this invitation. He likely has some awareness of Jesus' ministry and reputation. Perhaps he's had conversations with Jesus before. He's familiar with who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. But what we do know is that Jesus is assembling a group of disciples. And so far, he's invited some fishermen, and now he's about to add a tax collector to the group. Without hesitation, Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. After responding to Jesus' invitation, Levi extended an invitation of his own. He invited Jesus to come into his home to celebrate a great banquet or a great feast. But he didn't stop there. He also invited some of his fellow tax collectors and others. Now, the word others in Luke's gospel is often used in reference to sinners. And so he's invited some tax collectors and some other sinners who are not tax collectors to this great banquet that he's hosting in Jesus' honor. In the New Testament, Banquets were a symbol of joy. In fact, Jesus used banquets as an illustration of the coming kingdom of God in terms of celebration and who would be invited to be a part of it. Luke often links celebration with joy and repentance. Levi has decided to leave his old life behind. He's decided to follow Jesus, and that is a cause for great joy. So Levi, his tax collector friends, some other sinners, and Jesus are all enjoying a great banquet, a celebration at Levi's house. Everyone there has been invited by someone. The second thing I want us to consider this morning is party crashers. The party is going great until some uninvited guests show up. Some Pharisees and religious leaders not only show up, but once they get there, they become the center and the focus of the story. I want to start by saying that I believe that these religious leaders had the best of intentions. They were well-meaning. First of all, they desired to protect the religious culture of Israel. They wanted to protect Israel from the pagan influence of these oppressive outsiders. To accomplish their goal, they created hundreds of additional support laws that became very legalistic and burdensome for the people. There was no way the people could live up to such unrealistic expectations. Now, ironically, instead of protecting what was important to God, 
they added so many additional layers that they lost sight of what was really important to God. Which according to Jesus, what's important to God is that we love God and love others. Protecting their priorities, protecting the religious culture that they had created became more important to them than people. Secondly, to advance their agenda, they divided people into two groups. Those who helped them advance their agenda, the righteous people, and those who challenged their agenda, the unrighteous people. Now for these religious leaders, things were very black and white. You are in or you are out. You are for us or you are against us. You think like us or you think like a sinner. You want what we want or you want what the pagans want. Thirdly today, I want to consider house calls. In this culture, there were only two scenarios where you would share a table with someone else. First of all, you would share a table with family. Most people were poor and did not have the means to share their tables with those who could not reciprocate unless they were family. Secondly, you would share a table with those you considered equal. Those who had means, those who were well off, often shared tables with others who were also well off, but only because they could reciprocate back to them what they had given. They would only share their table with people they believed to be on the same level as they were. Immediately upon crashing Levi's party, the religious leaders decided that Jesus was on the opposite side of them. Clearly, he lacked regard for scriptural holiness. As far as the religious leaders were concerned, Levi, his fellow tax collectors, and the others are all sinners. And if Jesus was a righteous man, he would never find himself participating in a banquet with sinners. The religious leaders addressed the situation. Now note, it's not with Jesus directly that they speak, but they speak to the disciples. And their complaint is this. He is eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus was sharing a table with the wrong people. He was at the wrong table. Now by eating with them, he is making a statement that he accepted them. No righteous person could accept these sinners. So Jesus heard their complaints and addressed them by stating his mission in a simple, well-known proverb. And he said, it is not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick. Building off this proverb, he outlined two things. What he did not come to do and what he did come to do. He said, I have not come to call the righteous, those who think they are well. I have come to call those outside of God's grace to repentance. You see, the truth is, to be a righteous person, you had to understand that, first of all, you're a sinner saved by grace. The religious leaders could not embrace this truth, and the result was they were missing out. Jesus knows the rules, and he refuses to play by them. The doctor has made a house call because there are sick in this house that need him, but the religious leaders can't comprehend it. 
Jesus' words and Jesus' actions were making them feel uncomfortable, while at the same time making these marginalized people experience joy. In terms of application, there are a few things I want to share with you this morning. I am fairly confident that none of us who claim to be followers of Jesus ever want to be identified as being like the Pharisees and teachers of the law. I would like to think that none of us roll out of bed in the morning and our goal for today is to be a Pharisee. But the truth is, if we were to be honest, there are many days that we are not much different than the Pharisees. And because of this, we need a fresh encounter with the words of and actions of Jesus to shock us back into realignment. Now, in challenging the thinking and values of the Pharisees and religious leaders, there were three areas that I believe that these religious people were made to feel uncomfortable in Jesus' response, and I believe they're important for us to consider today. The first is intentions. I believe that most people have good intentions. The thing about good intentions is that they seem good to those who are taking the action, to those who have the intentions. But we have witnessed as we read scripture, we have witnessed throughout history, and we're even witnessing around us every single day that there are those with so-called good intentions doing some very wrong things, very evil things, demonstrating poor decision-making and judgment, inflicting pain and destruction on others. Now, there's a well-known modern-day proverb that says this, and you're probably very familiar with it. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Now, the main message of this proverb is that good intentions are not enough. Good intentions are not enough. That what is most important is doing the right things. It's not enough to mean well. It is imperative that we live well. And to live well means to live like Jesus lived, according to what Jesus taught, and to love like Jesus loved, to love like Jesus teaches us to love. When confronted with the uncomfortable truth about Jesus, his teachings, when the Holy Spirit convicts us, the worst thing that we could ever do is justify our actions by hiding behind our intentions. Now, many of us are very skilled at justifying our actions and our decisions. But good intentions are not enough. Living like Jesus, loving like Jesus, is what we are called to as followers of Jesus. The second area is in terms of protection. The religious leaders of Jesus' day were so concerned with preserving their religious culture that they focused on creating practices, rules, regulations, even scriptural interpretations that would serve their purposes. Now, sadly, in the process of trying to preserve their ideal religious culture, they lost sight of what was most important to God, that they love God and they love others. The layers of legalism became so important that issues and opinions became more important than people. 
Truth be told, we see the exact same processes playing out in North American Christianity today. Many followers of Jesus, many Christian organizations, many Christian leaders are so focused on preserving North American Christian culture that it consumes them. And in the process, many are losing sight of the mission of Jesus that we as a church are called to. Many North American Christians are obsessed with protecting culture from certain issues, so much so that they've lost sight of people. Most Christians that I know object to abortion. And we object because we believe that an unborn child is a human being created in the image of God. So abortion is not simply an issue. It is about people. It's about human beings. And so in light of this, my question today is this. Why can't we see the rest of culture through this exact same lens? Why? Racism is not simply an issue. It's about people created in the image of God. Discrimination is not simply an issue. It's about people created in the image of God. Homelessness, LGBTQ+, youth at risk, addiction, human trafficking, poverty, hunger. These are not simply issues that we're wrestling with, contending with. They are people created in the image of God. Even COVID-19 and the expectations and restrictions that have been placed on us to protect us, this is not simply an issue that we are dealing with. It is not about our so-called freedoms. It's about protecting people who are created in the image of God by putting their safety above my personal preferences and rights. Now, if I sound a little frustrated, it's because I am. I see more Christians concerned about being told to wear a mask and about whether the government is trying to hinder the church by limiting our Sunday gatherings than I do concern for the 30,000 children that will die every single day of preventable causes. Think about that. Often, the North American church is so focused on protecting this so-called Christian culture that we have built that we lose sight of what is most important. People created in the image of God. And I would like to suggest this morning that any time our focus becomes about protecting religious culture, we inevitably fall into the danger of missing the value of people created in the image of God. Thirdly this morning, dividing. Focusing on issues push us to create a dividing line. Who's on our side? Who supports our position? Who will help us achieve our agenda? We see this more and more in who we vote for or what leader we endorse or what government party we want to see in power. 
Because if the right person who shares our view ends up in power, we have a better chance of achieving our agenda. Agenda with things like court appointees or legislation that's being passed and so on, all these different things. And so for this reason, North American Christianity has become very political. Issues have divided us. Now, what I see in North American Christianity in terms of our engagement within the political arena causes me personally great concern. And I believe to my core that this does not align with the life and teaching of Jesus. I believe that to my core. In Psalm chapter 20, verse 7, David says this, Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Horses and chariots in biblical times were symbolic of a king's power a king's ability to force his will on whomever he needed to do so. David understood the power of his army to inflict his will, but he also understood that his trust could not be in the might of his army, but in the authority of God. It might do us some good to be reminded of this truth today. It is not a political leader. It is not a political party. It is not an elected government representative. It is not an organization that we as followers of Jesus need to put our trust in. We need to put our trust in the name of the Lord our God. I am so happy that Jesus spent his very short life and ministry focusing on the sinners, the tax collectors, the people with bad reputations, the sick, the broken, the possessed, instead of spending the few years that he had lobbying Herod and Pilate and Caesar to gain political influence in order to accomplish his agenda. He made it clear the kingdom of God is not a political kingdom. It is a spiritual kingdom. May I suggest today that we are in danger of sitting at the wrong table with the wrong people, while the people that Jesus died to save are neglected, forgotten, and rejected. In conclusion this morning, I want to remind us We observe as we read the Gospels that Jesus made religious people feel uncomfortable and marginalized people feel safe. Sometimes the church does the very opposite. We make religious people feel comfortable and marginalized people feel uncomfortable. If we, the followers of Jesus, are going to continue his work of making marginalized people feel safe, We must begin with a fresh exposure to the uncomfortable teachings of Jesus.
thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that something said, something that was sung, reminded you today of the overwhelming love and grace of Jesus Christ. If we can serve you in any way, please let us know. We're praying for you. Be encouraged. Have a great week, and God bless you.